North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm just so excited to be here. As you can tell, I'm still here, not Pastor Chris, our lead pastor. Him and his family are out of town today. Um, And so I get to bring the word today. I I get to bring it. And so y'all get to join with me today. And so uh, thank you for for being alive and active and part of this. And I like a little feedback every now and then. So if you feel like I'm preaching it, you can just say, preach it. There we go. I will preach it. Thank you. Um, So I want to just talk to you a little bit about as we conclude our Real Jesus series. Real Jesus series. Today I want to talk to you about the thought, when dreams become nightmares. When dreams become nightmares. And uh, throughout the premise throughout this whole series is uh, if we want to, or if we want to be like Jesus, we have to know what Jesus was really like, what Jesus was really like. And then even this thought that when we have Jesus in our lives, we have a close relationship with Jesus, still there are times in our lives where we have to go through tough times, times when our dreams look more like nightmares, when our expectations and our reality don't always line up. You know what I mean? Um, has anybody ever seen those Pinterest fails? Like, ladies post on Pinterest, like, uh, this awesome minion cake. Like, here's how you bake this minion cake. It's going to look really good. It looks really awesome. And then they'll show how they tried to make the cake, and it looked horrible. Like, their expectation was one thing, but their reality was completely different. Here's a a little picture of that uh, project, of that minion cake uh, right there. So there's an expectation up top. (laughs) The bottom... Nailed it. (laughs) Nope, you didn't. Um, But in life, we have these moments, right, where our expectations and our reality don't always line up. For me, one thing about me, I love meats. Come on, man. Anybody men like meats out there? Come on. And I like sweets. I like something. I like the sweet tooth. And so in my mind, I remember one time, I'm a single guy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just living by myself, and I'm like, I like meat. I like a good hamburger, and I really like treats that have chocolate and peanut butter in them. So what if I put those hands together, and I mix in my hamburger meat some peanut butter and some chocolate, and I'm like, I can't believe anybody has never thought of this. This is brilliant in my mind, and I'm mixing this thing up, and I'm looking. I'm like, it looks kind of weird, but uh, I don't know if it should look like that, but I, man, this is going to be awesome. I throw it on the grill, and I'm grilling it, and it smells okay. Um, Not the greatest, but okay. I'm like, I don't know about this, but man, this could be a thing. This could make me millions right here. It's my Shark Tank idea. You know what I mean? And uh, so I take this. My mom is in town, and I'm like, mom, you just sit right there. I got something that's about to blow your mind. <laughs> you just wait. And so I don't even tell her. I'm just like doing it. And uh, finally I get this off the grill. And I'm like, I better test this out first. Oh, this is so awesome. And I take a bite. And uh, if you didn't realize this, but I have scientifically proven that meat and chocolate and peanut butter tastes exactly like vomit. <laughs> it was so bad. It was, I mean, it was like my scientific experiment. You know, it was so, so bad. In my mind, I thought it was going to be so awesome, and it ended up being so terrible, so terrible. But in life, we have these moments, right, where we expect one thing. Oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible, and we end up falling short. We end up, well, life doesn't look like the dream we expected. It looks a little bit more like a nightmare. Um, In fact, we have a a little video of some clips of times expectation and reality didn't quite line up. So here it is. Uh, Check out some of these. So there's this expectation, like, I can do that. That looks pretty cool. And then reality hits, and life comes and knocks us upside the head. Sometimes our expectation 
let's set the bar high. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And other times, the reality, we give it a shot, and we fail. You know what I mean? Sometimes, man, wow, I am going to do that. It looks really cool. And then life hits, boom. Reality hits. Now, that's pretty cool right there. Expectation, reality. And so there we go. We expect to have these awesome soccer skills. And... We juke our own self out. But there, in, I think this is a good analogy for life, right? In life, like, man, I have this expectation that something is going to be really good. I have these awesome dreams, these awesome ideas. But sometimes reality and what we expect don't always line up. So what do we do in those situations? Sometimes it's a little bit more serious. Sometimes uh, the expectations of getting married don't line up with the reality of what's on the other side of marriage, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm expecting, when I get married, I'm bar- marrying my best friend. It's going to be like a never-ending sleepover. Lord, you need some counseling if that's your idea going into marriage. <laughs> and then you get married on the other side of that, your, your reality hits. And it's like, wow, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. I'm married to a five-foot-one little she-woman who hogs all the covers at night. Puts her cold feet on my back. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, that's reality right there. It's different than our expectations. Um, Something we have kids, and our expectations, oh, I can't wait to wrestle with this kid, to shoot hoops with them. And the reality is they keep you up nonstop for about four months. You know what I mean? Eat, sleep, poop, repeat. That's their life. And, like, this is reality. You don't, you expect to be a little bit tired, but the reality is you are so far beyond any amount of exhausted you've ever been in your life because you had kids. Reality and expectation don't always line up. And uh, a while ago, my family, we faced a reality we never expected going through with one of our children. And many of you may know, but we had a, a daughter about three months ago. And at nine days old, she was diagnosed with multiple holes in her heart. And uh, the doctor said that every time she eats, she's exerting so much energy because her heart is beating so hard that it's like she's running a marathon. And that's why she can't keep her eyes open. That's why she's lethargic. And so they go on to even explain that if something doesn't happen to fix these holes in her heart, um, she will eventually die as a result. And uh, you talk about reality hitting hard. You know what I mean? I, I never, when I became a parent, I expected long nights of babies crying. I expected dirty diapers. Like, I expect some of these things of parent, but I never expected how to learn to put a feeding tube down my daughter's nose. You know what I mean? I never expected every three hours around the clock that we would be up having to feed our daughter milk through a drip bag going directly into her stomach. You don't expect these things. You don't have to expect to, you don't expect to use words like ventricular septum. And learn what that word means. And I know what that word means now. Otherwise, I'd never. But you don't expect a child at two and a half months to face open heart surgery. But this is what reality was for us just a couple weeks ago. Um, so life, in life, there are these moments that you don't expect and nothing can prepare you for them. And so today, I want to share a little bit about what God has show, been showing me throughout some of this unexpected season when a dream of having this awesome baby or this awesome healthy girl has looked more like a nightmare at times? What do we do? In these moments, how do we respond? And here's what I want you to know. I'm gonna give you a little, a little uh, spoiler is that God is good, God is faithful, and we have seen God's hand on every single part of the process along the way, even in the struggle, even in the tough times. God is so good. <clears throat> but we can all relate to these moments where our dreams look a little more like nightmares. You know what I mean? 
Some of you maybe had a dream of starting a business and just making tons of money. It's going to be awesome. And you started your business and then a recession hit and you lost everything and now you're back to a nine to five grind. Some of you had a dream of an awesome marriage and somewhere along the way that dream got derailed and your expectations of, oh, awesome future forever with this one person now look feels more like a nightmare as you're battling it out uh, in, in divorce. You know, we, we have some of these goals. Some of you have uh, relationship expectations and you're, you're 30 and single wondering, when am I ever going to meet that person? And you're tempted to maybe settle for something less than God has for you. Uh, some of you, you face not only an unexpected medical situation, some of you saw, have been diagnosed with some, some things that you never saw coming, you never thought you would have to go through. Some of you have also uh, experienced an unexpected death. And you know all too well the pain and the hurt and the heartache that goes when your expectations and your dreams don't line up with the reality that you're living and the reality that you're going through. And many times, like me with my daughter, some of you have the feelings of, uh, of God, why don't you move in a way that I expect you to move? Jesus, if I have a relationship with you, I'm asking something for you. I'm pleading something for you. I'm pleading for a healing. I'm begging you to move in this situation. I'm begging you to help my marriage. I'm begging you to help my finances. But God, I'm still going through this. And so Jesus, if I have a close relationship with you, why do I have to face these moments? Why do my dreams sometimes look a little more like a nightmare? And today, that's the thought that I want to talk about when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Because in the Bible, Jesus has something to say about this. And uh, in the Bible, there's actually a story in John chapter 11 where two women face something very, very similar. But before we jump in, I just want you to want to put this thought in your mind. This thought in your mind that uh, your response in those moments matter more than you can imagine. It matters more than you can imagine. When your dreams look more like nightmares, your response matters. See, your circumstances may affect you, but your response defines you. Your response defines you. See, you can't always control the circumstances that happen to you, but you know what you can always control? How you respond. You can always control how you respond to whatever it is that life throws you away, whatever nightmare it is that you find yourself living in. You can always control your response. So in John chapter 11, is the story of a man named Lazarus. I mean, if you know the, the story of Lazarus, and Lazarus was deathly ill, deathly ill, and he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they have this idea, all right, our brother is really sick. We're close friends with Jesus. We are like BFFs with Jesus. You know what I mean? And so they say, all right, so let's just go get our best friend, Jesus. We have a close relationship. Have him come, heal our brother, all's good. Not a bad plan, right? <clears throat> Pretty good plan. That's, that's most of the time is our plan. I'm going through a tough time, sickness, health, whatever. Uh, Jesus, I have a good relationship with you. Help me out. <laughs> you know, come on, do something. And so they send a messenger to Jesus to tell him that Lazarus is sick, that he needs healed. And here's the interaction that happens in John 11, 4 through 6. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus tells the messenger, it will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of Man will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Jesus loved them. Listen, they went through it, but Jesus Loved him. Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Two days. He says, no, this isn't going to end in death. Uh, I love them. But you know what, guys? We're just going to hang out here for another couple days. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, 
that seems weird. Jesus, why don't you just snap your fingers? Why don't you go right away if you love them? Why are you, why are you making them wait? Why are you making them go through this? Why is this happening like this? And in fact, by the time Jesus' message of hope, saying this will not end in death, returns to Mary and Martha, it was already too late. By the time the messenger gets there, Lazarus was already dead. Their dreams shattered, crushed, right before their eyes as they lost their brother. Their hopes of Jesus showing up and making things all better, now gone. So they find themselves facing a reality they never expected to face, especially having such a close relationship with Jesus. And so being smack dab in the middle of this nightmare, this is where we're at in our story today. And I'm battling a little bit of like some cold and sinus stuff. So if I start having a coughing fit, we're just going to throw back on that video and y'all get to watch the video again for 10 seconds while I cough up here. You know what I'm saying? Um, So today, here's what we're going to do. With this story as kind of our backdrop, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and and Jesus, we're going to look at three things Jesus wants to remind us when things don't go as expected. So three things through the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that Jesus wants to remind you when life, when life's expectations and reality don't line up. So number one, the first thing is this. Jesus wants to remind you, he wants to tell you today, come to me even when I don't move the way you expect me to move. Come to me even when I don't move the way you expect me to move. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. So Jesus arrived four days days later. Four days later. uh, By that time, Lazarus was not only dead, he was decaying and he was rotting. A few verses later, uh, when Jesus tells him to roll away the stone, Martha's like, wait, wait, Lord, he stinketh. (laughs) He is rotting and it is smelly and listen, he stinketh. Uh, and, and like this is the reality when Jesus shows up in this situation. He's, he, he's dead and, and decaying and it's horrible, horrible situation. And I remember I spent a summer one time in Philadelphia help repairing a church. And uh, it, was, it was a fun, it was kind of a, a tough, hard summer of work, but uh, got to experience a city. And after experiencing the city like that, I realized I never want to live in Philadelphia the rest of my life. Uh, it was crazy. The traffic was crazy. There's people are, are crazy sometimes. And I'll never forget one day we're going in to work on the church, and a neighbor was talking to us and said, man, do you guys smell that? We're like, yeah, how could you not smell that? It's horrible. And they said, uh, well, there's a dead body around here somewhere. I'm like, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? All right, I got to go home to Nebraska. See you later, Philly. It's been real, you know. But I'll never forget this moment uh, when they told me that. Like, it was just, oh, yeah, no big deal. There's some. And I'm like, that is a big deal. <laughs> but it was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. And this is the scene that Jesus shows up on with a, a dead and decaying body like that. Four days later, four days was also kind of an issue because in that culture, um, it's not biblical or it's not anywhere scriptural, but in that culture, a lot of people believed after you died, sometimes your spirit just kind of hung around your body for, you know, a few days. But after four days, no hope. I'm sorry. Uh, there is absolutely no hope. Uh, it's time to move on. And uh, I'm sure when Jesus didn't show up, Mary and Martha were left wondering, why? Jesus, why? I thought we had a close relationship. Why me? Why is this happening to us? Why didn't you answer? Why didn't you show up? Didn't you get my message? Lord, you said this wouldn't lead to death, but here he is, dead. 
when my wife and I got the diagnosis that Rain had multiple holes in her holes in her heart and she was going to need open heart surgery, uh, we've had multiple conversations where we've just been real and vulnerable and open and honest. There's been lots of tears, lots of it's just been a really uh, a tough and and challenging mo- time. Um, but lots of our conversations have just been in this moment of man, why us? You know, why, why is this happening to us? I don't, I don't always get why this is going. And see, we prayed and we prayed, and a lot like Mary and Martha, we expected Jesus to show up and to heal and, and to restore. And we expected him to show up a certain way, like, Jesus, we, we want you to heal in power, like miraculously close those holes in a way that I expect, a lot like Mary and Martha expected Jesus to show up and heal their brother. Sometimes Jesus works in a little bit different way that we don't expect. And that's what I had to learn. And that's what I had to learn in this. But throughout this, there were these feelings and thoughts of very real conversations of, man, do you, do you think we're praying hard enough? Do you think we're, we're, we're living good enough? Do you think we're giving enough? Do you think we're fasting long enough? Like maybe if we just try a little bit harder, pursue a little bit more, knock a little bit louder. Like what, what do we got to do that will, will help God fix this for us? And these are the feelings that Mary and Martha were facing right there. See, but I, I want to just say that uh, the devil didn't know what he was doing when he was messing with my daughter. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what he was getting himself into because there was so much prayer going up for that girl. Every three hours of the night we had to be up. That's okay because that meant every three hours we were laying hands on that girl, praying God's healing over her life, praying God's destiny over her future. Like the devil didn't know what he was getting into, putting some holes. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. When I'm, we're facing that, we are going to God. And can I just say, God has without a doubt answered every prayer that we've prayed over her. Um, I mean, just in his way that's just been so much greater than anything we ever expected or we ever could have imagined or dreamed on the other side of surgery. And I want to, I'm excited to share you how that plays out as we continue uh, further on. But in our minds, many times we just have this idea that our good deeds and our spirituality is working up some kind of like divine currency, that we can use. Like, God, I've prayed a lot. Other people are praying a lot. We've, we've anointed her. God, we are believing for this healing, and I will always stand in faith. I will always stand in healing, and I will always stand on the word of God. And God, but sometimes I'm standing, and Lord, I feel like still you're not moving. So Lord, I'm going to put in, uh, you've seen my divine currency, and it's like, we, we think this is divine currency, like Jesus is some great, big vending machine. You know what I mean? And uh, if we pray enough, then I can just push the button, and there we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me what I want. <laughs> I remember uh, my wife, she loves, um, oh, what candy is it? Mini sweet tarts. I almost forgot. Sweet tart minis. Uh, she loves these sweet tart minis. So anytime I see them in a store or in a vending machine, I always get them for my wife. And especially when we're on the road. She has to have sweet tart minis when we're on the road. And so uh, I'm in a vending machine. It's kind of an older vending machine, and I see some sweet tart minis. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get these for my wife. I'm gonna, she's going to love me for it. You know what I mean? And so I push the button, and out comes some peanut butter crackers. And I'm like, what's going on? Okay, maybe I didn't push the right button, and I look really close. And I'm studying. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is the right one. Out comes some more peanut butter crackers. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you know, vending machine, you're not supposed to do this. You're getting frustrated. You're like, I'm going to break the glass in this thing and just take some mini sweet tarts. Um, and so finally I'm looking. I'm like, okay, it was off by maybe three or four, and I'm trying to do the math of trying to figure out this old machine. And so finally I push the button again. I'm like, okay, here it is. It's J5. J5. And out comes some potato chips. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? And like I was so frustrated in this moment because I'm like, listen, I pushed J5, and by that time I'm out of money, and I'm frustrated, and I'm angry, and I'm like, I want to call the manufacturer. I'm going to call somebody. They need to know that this machine did not give me what I want, and I want my money back. Like, I was so frustrated. This is what I want, and I didn't get it. In our relationship with God, many times we feel that exact same way. When God doesn't answer, when God, listen, God, I've prayed, I've fasted, I believed. Lord, I am standing in faith, J5. We want that healing, Lord, but it's not coming. What's going on? J5, we want that healing. Lord, you, you give us surgery. Lord, J, and sometimes our dreams and our reality don't always line up. And we get frustrated, a lot like I got frustrated with that vending machine, and think, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? God, do, do you see I'm, I'm not pushing the right buttons? Am I, what, what's going on? Lord, if you would have showed up when I need you, needed you, if you would have helped me when I asked you to help me, everything would be okay. But yet I find myself in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this depression, in the middle of this addiction, in the middle of this stress, in the middle of this job. And this is right where Mary and Martha find themselves. And we've all been there staring at the ceiling thinking, God, where are you? Lord, where are you? Because the reality is when things don't work out, we automatically begin coming to this conclusion. We jump to this conclusion that God somehow has abandoned us. But can I tell you, nowhere in Scripture is that true. All throughout Scripture, the reality, all throughout the Bible, the reality is this. God is most powerfully active even when he seems to be most apparently absent. He's not absent, he's active. So here's the key. Here's what I want you to remember today. Don't let his assumed absence keep you from pursuing his powerful presence. Don't let his assumed absence keep you from pursuing his powerful presence. Jesus today is saying, come to me. Come to me, even when you're hurting. Come to me, even when things didn't work out like you thought they would. Come to me. Keep coming to me. I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm not just a friend. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Keep coming to me. I'm here for you. Jesus is saying, come to me, even when things don't work out the way you expect them to work out. Come to me. Here's where Mary and Martha are. Feel abandoned. Feel like, Jesus, if only you would have been here, you could have done something. John 11, verse 20. When Martha got word Jesus was coming, she sent, or she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. So two sisters, two responses. Mary goes out to meet Jesus when he's coming, or Martha goes out to meet Jesus. Mary stays in the house. Can I caution you one thing real quick not to do when your dreams look a little bit more like a nightmare? Don't distance yourself from God. Don't ever distance yourself from God. I've been through seasons and situations in my life where I was just going through some really hard things and I distanced myself from God. I stopped going to church. I stopped praying. I stopped reading. Uh, when it came between uh, choosing God or choosing pursuing my dream, I chose pursuing my dream. Like I distanced myself from God. And can I tell you, if there's anything that ever comes between you and God, no matter what it is, no matter how great your dream might be or you think your dream might be or no matter how much good things you think you might be able to do with the money that you're, you're chasing, no matter how great that dream might be, don't let it come between you and God because that dream, no matter how good it is, makes a really lousy God. It's not good. It's not God. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God. When you're facing a tough time and you're tempted to stop going to church, you're tempted to stop believing, to stop trusting, to stop, stop standing on his word, to stop praying, push past it. Because Jesus is telling you, come to me. I see your pain. I see your struggle. 
keep coming to me. In fact, not only that, he would tell you, I want you to know he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. And here's how I get that in scripture in this story in John 11, verse 28 and 29. Um, Martha had this encounter with Jesus out here. And so he's like, hey, where's Mary? And so Martha comes back into the house and now talks to Mary. And Martha says this. Martha called Mary aside from the warners and told her, the teacher is here and what? Wants to see you. Listen, Jesus is here. He wants to see you. He wants you to come to him. He wants to see you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to seek him. And right now you may think God's not there, but I can guarantee you he is. He always is. He won't ever leave you. Uh, he wants you to come to him. He works, he's working in a powerful way. He wants you to come to him. When you don't get the response you're looking for, oh, can I challenge you, can I encourage you, keep going to him. He's not forgotten about you. He's not given up on you. And he wants you to keep going to him. You may have distanced yourself from God in the past. Today is a new day. Today is a day to take a step closer to him. He wants you to come to him. Because remember, your response matters. Your circumstances, uh, you can't always control those, but you can always control how you respond to the circumstances that you're facing. So today, come to him. Come to him. Go to God. The second thing that Jesus wants to remind us when life doesn't go as expected, focus on the present. Focus on the present. So both sisters have a separate encounter. Martha goes out and encounters Jesus, goes back and gets Mary's. Mary comes out and encounters Jesus. But yet both sisters, two different times, say word for word the exact same thing. In verse 21 and in verse 32, Mary and Martha both say this to Jesus. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not, not have died. If only. Listen, can I tell you, if only is a depressing place to live. If only is a tough place to look when we look back and say, man, if only I would have done things different. If only God would have helped me. If only. And, you know, that is a, uh, a horrible place to live. But many of us, like Mary and Martha, we're haunted by this idea that, God, you could have done something, but you didn't. God, you could have saved my marriage, but you didn't. God, you could have brought my boyfriend back, but he's gone. Lord, you could have kept me from bankruptcy. But here I am filing for it. Lord, you could have kept me from getting fired. You could have taken this addiction away, but I'm still struggling with it. God, you could have healed my body. You could have healed my daughter's body, but Lord, you didn't. You could have stepped in and done something miraculous. Lord, if only you would have been there. And Jesus says to Martha, the same thing he's saying to us today, is look at the present. Focus on the present. And so he redirects Martha to the present. Jesus says to her, listen, Martha, your brother will rise again. He's talking about now. She thinks he's talking about the future. <laughs> so here's what she says. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See that? It's so hard to focus on the present in these moments that you look back. What we do is look back and we say, oh, if only. And then forgetting about the future or forgetting about the present, we look to the future and we think maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday we'll find peace again. Maybe someday my marriage will be better. Maybe someday God will have a good relationship. Maybe someday my kids will come back to you. Maybe, if it's not if only, it's maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll forgive them. Maybe someday my pain will go away and things will be all better. 
But again, Jesus now for the second time has to redirect her to the present, to the moment. And he looks at her in this unbelievable moment with oh, just so much incredible and so, so much theological uh, wisdom in this, this statement. He looks at her and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember, she's looking forward and said, yeah, Jesus, maybe I'll see him again at the future resurrection. And he's like, listen, no, I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking, you, are, you want a resurrection, Martha, you're looking at him. You need, a resurrection, you need a resurrection, Martha, you are looking at him. I am the resurrection. Focus on the present. He's saying, I know your pain. I know your heartache. Uh, I know that you're looking for a resurrection, but Martha, you got to understand that's not just something I do. This is who I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm here now. I care about what you're going through today, and I'm in front of you now. I'm the only hope for your hopeless situation, and I'm here now. And today, some of you facing a situation that you don't never expected going through, I want you to know that Jesus has this way of breathing life into the, the worst imaginable situation, of turning around what was meant for evil and bringing it out for good. And I want you to see how he does this through the story of Lazarus because the ending is, is crazy to see how much greater God's plan was than Mary and Martha's plan of Jesus just showing up and, and making it all better. But today Jesus, well, maybe I think, is telling us the same thing. Focus on the present. What can you do today to help lead that family member to Christ? What do you need to say to your spouse tonight before you go to bed to make, help make things better? Maybe today you need to start writing that book you've been putting on for so long. Well, maybe someday. Why not today? Well, maybe someday I'll start reading the Bible. Why, why, why not today? What can you do? What step can you take today before you lay your head at night to say, wow, God, I took a step closer to you today? Focus on the present. Um, there's some pastors in Nebraska another town in Nebraska, and they had a daughter who was my age. And I went to summer camps with her in Camp Lex. And uh, as we went to summer camps together, uh, I got to know her a little bit. And tragically, when she was a senior in high school, she passed away uh, in an accident. And news spread all throughout the, the, the state that this girl had, had passed away. And um, <clears throat> a few days later, there was the funeral. And at the funeral, something interesting happened. Um, they would have had it at a gym because there were so many people there. And in this gym, the funeral started, and it didn't start with slow songs. It didn't start with a somber melody. Uh, it, it didn't start, but it started with a fast, upbeat worship song. And when you looked up at the very front row, there you saw her father. And he had just lost her daughter. He had just lost his daughter. He had dreams for this girl, hopes for this girl, yet they were shattered. But here he is in the middle of his mess, in the middle of his shattered dream, up there right at the front, standing on his feet, raising his hands, praising Jesus, singing out with all of his heart the words to the song, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. In that moment... How do you sing that song in that moment at your daughter's funeral? But it caught the attention of everybody in the room. See, in that moment, he, I think he understood that it wasn't about looking back and saying, God, if only. It wasn't about looking forward and saying, you know what, maybe someday I'll feel better. Maybe someday I'll be okay. He said, you know what, right here, right now, in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my mess, in the middle of these feelings, Jesus, I am going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to say that you are 
good because only he has the power to bring life from any hopeless situation. Oh, some of you, you need life in your situation. You need life in your marriage. You need life in your finances. You need a resurrection, and you don't need an event. You need a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So focus on the present. Come to Jesus even when he doesn't uh, uh, work the way you expect him to. And lastly, with this one I'm closing, the third thing Jesus wants to remind you, believe in who I am, not just in what I can do. There's a difference. Believe in who I am, not just in what I can do. So Jesus had just told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he continues and says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And uh, Martha responds. And if her response should have been, yes, Lord, I believe this. And I believe that you can do this. But her response is a little different. She says this, yes, Lord. She told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And I read her response, and I think, Martha, he asked, do you believe this? And you should have been like, yeah, yes, Lord, I believe, I believe this, and I believe that you can do this. But yet her response just responds and says, yes, Lord, I believe in who you are. And I'm thinking, he didn't ask you, who am I? He didn't ask, who am I? He asked, do you believe this? But here's what I think Martha is saying in that. Here's what I think Scripture is trying to tell us. In that moment, Martha looked at him and realized, Lord, I believe in who you are. You just told me you were the resurrection. I believe in who you are, not just in what you can do. Lord, I'm going to put my faith in your identity, not just in your activity. Yeah, Lord, it would be really nice if, if you did all these things I asked you to do. But, Lord, even more than that, even if you don't give me another thing, I believe in enough. I, 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 I trust you and love you enough to believe in who you are. I have my faith in you. And all of us have to come to this point in our life where Mary and Martha were in that moment. In the middle of a shattered dream, are we going to put our faith in God's activity or in his identity? Are we going to put our faith into what God does or can do for us? Or are we going to put our faith in who God is? And he's good. As we were praying for God to do a miracle for rain, we were praying and we were praying and we were praying. And listen, I was standing and I was believing and I believe praying faith-filled, hope-filled prayers. And man, I believed. I said, God, I know at any moment you can do this. Lord, let it be. Let it be now. Let it be now. Even to the moment of surgery. They have to do one last uh, heart echo before surgery. And that last heart echo came. I'm like, all right, Lord, this is it. It's the last time. The doctors are going to look at her heart and be like, wow, whoa, this is crazy. The holes have miraculously healed up. And I'll be like, yes, God, thank you. And then the doctor's come in uh, on that day when we're in just this little room uh, where, where we have to kind of wait while this surgery happens. And they had just done the echo and the doctor comes in and he says, well, the holes are still there. And we see a lot of them. I'm like, oh, man. Even in that moment, I'm like, you know what? Check one more time. <laughs> you know, like, are you sure? Because my God wants to heal. Listen, are you sure? Like, in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Are you sure that, that that's happened? Sure enough, they were still there. In this moment, there's this temptation to think, God, you know, are you hearing me? So many people are praying, uh, you know, so many people are believing. We've, we've prayed, we've anointed, or we've, we're standing on faith, but God, why isn't this happening the way we want it to happen? And in this moment, when the doctor uh, left the room and went back to work on her heart, 
for that little open heart surgery. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me in this moment, and he said, just because I'm not working in the way that you prefer doesn't mean that I'm not working. Just because he's not working in the way you prefer doesn't mean he's not working. And then he said these three words. I just felt the Holy Spirit say these three words to me. Trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in me. And I realize now that in that moment he didn't say trust in what I can do. He said trust in who I am. Trust in me. And man, we put our, I just said, I, just like a weight lifted. And I said, God, I trust you. Even if you don't answer a single prayer, even if you don't give me a single thing, God, I trust you. And as we're praying, that they went back to, to operate on, on rain, and we're praying there. And I remember we're, we're praying. I'm there with my family, and uh, we're praying. And uh, we pray for God to, to work through the surgeons in a way that it's not even like their hands, but it's like Jesus' hands mending that little heart. And, uh, and about 10 minutes later, we got a text message from someone that said this. It said, as I was praying for your little warrior rain, I had a vision of God not just looking down on the surgery, but it was his hands doing the surgery. She's in the best of hands. Love you all and pray. And it was just like confirmation in that moment, like, wow, God, you are here. You are listening. You are working. Maybe not in the way I prefer or the way I thought, but God, you're doing something bigger than even I can see. And can I tell you, as we step back, now that we're on the other side of surgery, she's getting stronger. She's getting healthier. And it's like, wow, when we look back, we can count the miracles. I'm telling you, God has had his hand upon every part of this process. The fact that we're even here in Nebraska right now around family, uh, Pastor Chris and Melissa, our lead pastors, they took our kids for a week. Man, that's a huge blessing when you got kids, little kids. And when the lines of family and work kind of blur, he said, you know what, we're still family, so I'm going to watch your kids for a couple weeks. Uh, Pastor Melissa, she showed more love, shows more love and care for those, those kids than I thought anybody could that doesn't have the title of mom and dad. She said, listen, I got these kids. Don't worry about them. And like just different things that worked out. There was some financial blessings and provision that, were, that was there. There was a, a church. You guys have blessed us beyond belief and expectation. It's been humbling and incredible to just see the church be the church. And for, for me to find myself in a position where I just am amazed and in awe of, wow, look at the church be the church with your prayers, with all that you've done for us. Like, it's just been absolutely incredible. So I can stand here and say, thank you. Thank you, church. It's been miracle after miracle. It's a miracle she was diagnosed to begin with. We thought she had jaundice, and so we found out later that, that she had these holes that had to be dealt with. And little did we know they were life-threatening. Did I mention that... Uh, when the doctor walked into in there before surgery, and he had told us this before, but before surgery, he walks in and says, listen, there's a lot of holes in Rain's heart, and it's in a spot where uh, it's really tricky to get. It's really tricky to do, and so there's no way we can get every hole. It's just impossible. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do what we can, and hopefully by the end of that time, we'll, we'll try it again. We'll run some more tests and see. Hopefully there's still, you know, it blocked enough of the, the blood to go from one side of the heart to the other that she won't need an additional surgery. But it's a very real, real chance. She's going to need another one. And if there's still things going back and forth, we might even have to put a band around an artery to, to kind of stop some things. And she's going to need another open heart surgery. So I just want to prepare you, Mom and Dad, because it's impossible for us to get all these things. So um, just be ready uh, in case... The news comes that you're going to have to have another open heart surgery in the near future. And we're just like, okay, we're ready for it. The next report we heard from the doctor was, you know, believe it or not, 
we were able to get every single hole in Rain's heart. <laughs> Believe it or not, there is no more leakage from one side of the heart to the other heart. He said the operation was extremely successful. It only took about half the amount of time that we thought it would take. And listen, she is going to be like a brand new baby in just a couple of weeks. And can I tell you, she was like a brand new baby in a couple of weeks. She had to go home with a feeding tube still. So we still had to do a feeding tube, but she kept getting stronger and stronger for the first time ever. She started finishing her little bottles. Three ounces, baby. Two and a half to three ounces of milk. But she started finishing those things. And we're like, whoa, yes, Lord, keep doing, keep working. And finally, we got to take out her little feeding tube. And this was the smile she gave us when we did it. Can I tell you that she's still recovering, she's still getting stronger, but she's like a brand new baby and it's just been incredible and no more feeding tube, praise God, no more feeding her around the clock, it's awesome. But even already, Kayla, my wife, has been able to share our story with people going through a similar situation. She's already been able to pray with people that are going through something a lot like this. And so can I tell you, even in the trials, God is good. Even in the storms, God is faithful. Even in the moments when our dreams look a little bit more like nightmares, God reminds us that, wow, you do so much things so much greater and better than I ever could have imagined to begin with. He is so good. And I just want to show you how he's so good, even in Mary and Martha's situation. Lazarus, he's died Jesus is going to Lazarus' tomb. And on the way to the tomb, um, you, you know, he was, the Bible says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. And it's interesting that Jesus wept because just a few verses later, Jesus knows that he's about to heal this man. He's about to breathe life, that this guy's about to raise from the dead. Yet in that moment, he's, it's like he was saying, listen, I feel your pain. I know it's hard. I know when these situations come, it, it hurts, but I'm here for you, and I feel your pain. But Jesus keeps on going. He shows up to this tomb. He says, roll it away. And Martha's like, it stinketh, Lord. And she says, roll it away anyways. And he calls out to Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come out. And in my mind, I just imagine death itself begin working backwards. As all of a sudden, for the first time in four days, a heart begins to beat and lungs begin to get filled with air as, as tendons and, and veins begin growing again and as uh, death itself begins to work backwards. And this man who once was hopelessly dead was brought back to life because he had a first-hand encounter with the resurrection and the life. A first-hand encounter with none other than Jesus. This is who Jesus is, but not only that, this is what Jesus does. He is the resurrection. He specializes in taking things that were meant for evil and turning them around for good. He, he specializes in taking your greatest pain, your biggest shattered dream, and breathing life back into the most hopeless situation. The greatest example of this is on the cross, when he died on the cross so that you and I could have life. This is what he does. See, Mary and Martha's plan to, to have Jesus show up and heal, heal their brother was a pretty good plan. It wasn't bad, but Jesus' plan was so much better. So much better. And let me show you why. Because of the way things played out, because of the way uh, Jesus had them play out, the entire region was changed. Here's the very next chapter, John 12. One page over in your Bible. John 12, 9 through 11. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see who? Lazarus, 
The man Jesus has raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that so many people had deserted them to believe in Jesus. Wow. It was because of this dead man brought back to life in this unexpected way that so many lives were changed. A few verses down in 17 and 18, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That's the reason so many went out to meet him that day, because they had all heard about the miraculous sign. You know where they were that day? You know what was happening that day? You know where so many people came out to meet Jesus? It was at this little moment where Jesus comes into Jerusalem that we like to call the triumphant entry. Where they lined the streets and they laid down palm branches and they said, wow, here he comes. Why was there so many people lining there? Why was there so many people coming to say, wow, here he comes, here comes Jesus? Because they heard about this man named Lazarus who was dead and brought back to life. See, things worked out in a way that they never expected. But Jesus has a way of turning even around the most horrible, the worst situations imaginable and bringing life and using your, your story for his glory. I believe today he wants to, to use some of your stories as well. God wants to use your story for his glory. He's turning it around. So today, keep going to God. Don't distance yourself from him. Focus on the present. He's not your God of tomorrow. He's not your God of yesterday. He's your God of today. He's your God of right now. He is the resurrection and the life. He wants to speak to you and breathe into your situation today and believe in just who he is, not just in what he can do for you. God, I believe in you, not just in your identity, not just in your activity. You stand to your feet all across this place. Because some of us in here, we're facing a tough time and a trial, and we need to get it in our minds that, God, I believe that your plan for me is better than my plan for me. God, I may be facing a, a thing that, a situation I never dreamed of, but my dream looks a little more like a nightmare. So, Lord, I may not have the perfect marriage that I dreamed of, but, God, I believe with your help I can have a restored marriage that was greater than it's ever been. God, uh, my children may not be following you today, but I believe that when you bring them back, they're going to be more outgoing for you that they'll never stray from you for the rest of their life. God can do that. Listen, you might have gotten fired. You might have gotten fired from a job, but maybe God is just positioning you. Maybe you've just been struggling with an addiction for so long, you fall time and time again, but maybe God is just positioning you for one of the greatest comebacks in your life that you've ever experienced or seen. Listen, when expectations and reality don't always meet up, he hasn't forgotten about you. He's not given up on you. He is there, and he wants you to keep coming to him. But remember, your circumstances, they don't define you. You're not defined by what happens to you. You can't always control your circumstances, but you can always control how you respond. So church, today, if you're hurting, if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're broken, if you're going through a tough and horrible situation, today Jesus wants to ask you, how will you respond? enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect with us or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit mynsag.com.